Welcome to Carpe Dime, a podcast about personal finance and everyday life. I'm Jamie Davidson. And I'm Dusty Simmons from Financial Center First Credit Union. Thanks for spending your free time listening to us talk about how life and family affects us achieving our financial goals. Well, here we are again, still in the middle of COVID. It's been about eight weeks since our stay-at-home order. And like a lot of people, we're a bit tired of the doom and gloom when it comes to quarantine. So this episode, we're going to switch it up a little bit, Jamie. Right. And we're going to have a little fun with a financial trivia game. Can't wait to beat you. (laughs) Whatever. So to help us out with our trivia game, and because one-person trivia isn't as fun... We have our executive producer, Courtney Cooper, who you never really hear from, joining us today. She's usually behind the scenes helping us with production, but today she's our trivia host. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Yay! Yay. That's right. Uh, So like Dusty said, I'm a member of the marketing team, but usually I'm behind the scenes of the podcast, so I'm super excited today to help them out with their trivia game, and it's going to be a fun one. So I'm going to explain the rules super quick. Uh, we're going to have two rounds plus a final lightning round where you can bet all your points. So yes, don't think betting. it's all gotten. And betting. Lost. If you're missing betting right now, people, here's the here's the time to bet. You should bet on either Jamie or myself. Wow, listen to her. <laughs> bet on me. Bet on me. I'm going to give you a little bit of a time limit to answer questions, probably about 20 seconds so that, you know, you're not waiting too long. But we're going to pit them against each other. So I'll throw out a question and whoever is the closest in percentage to the answer gets the point. So like typical under or over doesn't matter, right? Just closest to percentage. It doesn't matter. You heard it here, people. (laughs) So uh, like typical trivia, questions are going to be kind of easy when we first start, but we'll get a little bit tougher as they go on. And my favorite part, when the game is finally over, the loser is going to have to donate $10 to a food pantry of their choice. You want a side wager now? Dusty, just get the money ready. Oh, do you want a side wager now? Oh, sure. 100 bucks. So 100 bucks. All right, 100 bucks. I'm in. Oh my I'm god. In. You heard it here. Got my fingers crossed. <laughs> Unless I win. <laughs> All right. And if I win, I'll give half of that to the food pantry. There's always smack talk in the marketing team, so always. we'll see how this goes. Another rule I forgot to mention. So in part one of the trivia, points are worth one point per question. But in part two, if you win a question, it's worth two points. So, you know, you got to be in your A game in the second round. Does that make sense? Warm-ups. You're yeah. not, we're not deducting any points, though, right? No, we're not deducting <laughs> points. No, 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 no. Gotcha. Okay, so with that being said, are you guys ready to go? Ready. Ready. Okay, question one. So in 1979, 58% of teens aged 16 to 19 were in the workforce. Today, what percentage is that number? Quit cheating, Dusty. I'm not cheating. <laughs> Don't look at my answers. Are you both ready to go? Yep. Okay, Dusty, what did you think it was? I said 47%. Okay. Lower is what I thought. Lower than then. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was lower. I thought it was at 52%. Okay. So the first point goes to Dusty. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what is it? In 2019... Only 35% of teens wow. aged 16 to 19 when they're in the workforce. So if you think about it, that's, you know, 20% of a difference. So what do you think the reason for that is? Because our kids are bougie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think a lot of it has to do with, honestly... Um, school's it, harder. School's, school might be a little more difficult. I think it's, in 79, a lot more students left school early to get jobs to help support the family. Sure. We don't have that quite as much nowadays, honestly. I also think that, you know, we went through that phase of the last recession where there were no jobs available for those students. 
So I think the expectation changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I went with 52% because I was just trying to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, 35%, that's, a, that's pretty amazing. I just thought, you know, because as a society, I think we're a little bit more um, supportive of our children and what, you know, that they should be focused on education and, and they're, you know, growing up. So I thought it would be lower, but. Now, if you guys listen to the last podcast, remember this. What did I tell you to do with your students? Let them fail. Make them get a job. Remember that. Yeah, remember that? But I won. Okay, you got one. <laughs> one point. All right. right. All right. Question two. What percentage of American adults have a household budget? So just want to clarify how you would classify a household budget. So husband and wife or whoever is head of household have sat together and, and written something down and, and agreed upon this is what we're going to do. I have no idea. I'm a little... Don't look at my answer. I don't have it. I don't know. I've just got a guess just like you do. Okay. Okay. I'll go with you first, Jamie. What do you think? Oh, my. Let Dusty go first. <laughs> she went first last time. I said... This is too high. 35%. I say 25%. Okay. And the actual answer is 41%. Oh, wow. So Jamie crossed out an answer beforehand. That would have been closer, but he said he guessed My answer before that was 42. I actually went 35, scratched it out, 42, and went back down to 35. Mm -hmm. I mean, 41% isn't bad, but... But that's less than half of Americans that have thought about an actual budget sticking to a budget. Well, she's not even saying stick to it, actually creating it. Yeah. So, Jamie, what do you what would you say? And we've talked about budgeting a lot. But what would you say is the number one reason why people should budget? It's really important to know where you're spending your money, because a lot of times you think you don't make enough money. But by having the budget, you actually see where that money went to and you can find out where you can cut back and you'll have leftover money. It's so much easier to say, I don't make enough money. So nine times out of 10, that's not going to go. I just don't know where the money goes. Right. Yeah. Because and I think really right now is a great, I hate to say it, but right now is a great time to get this in line because we're living differently right now. Yeah. We're not, we're not doing our daily Starbucks runs. I don't think now is a really good time to say baseline. This is what we have in the budget. Let's look at it and then see where we go a month from now when things start to open up a little bit more. I think this has been a really eye-opening time for me because, because those temptations are taken away and our normal has kind of been interrupted it's given me the opportunity to go, wow, I had more money, discretionary money in my budget than I realized. And now I'm seeing what I really did spend it on. Right. So right now we have a tied game. It's one to one. We've got nine more questions. But question number three, uh, you're, you guys are going to make fun of me because this is millennial focused. <laughs> Ten millennials are in a room. How many have started a retirement fund? I wonder if we're going to be on the same page about this. It's kind of like the 9 out of 10 dentist recommend. <laughs> did she just give us a hint what the answer is? 9 out of 10? No, no. I think no. it's 9. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Um, I say 6. 6? Okay. I say 2.8. Ooh, 2. you're 8. on the way other side. Yeah. Wow. Other side. All right, Courtney. Well, I got bad news for Jamie because Dusty won that round. <gasps> and six? she wasn't high enough. Oh. Eight out of ten millennials have started a retirement fund. That's great. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm impressed. I, I mean, so Jamie and I are both Gen Xers. And I would say if looking at our generation, when we were the millennial age, the number, the number was probably lower. Right. Yeah, it was. I, I think that being said, you know, with the number that you, you quoted, it, it makes sense because nowadays so many jobs offer that. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it where before... 
when we were younger, they didn't really talk about it. It, it wasn't it wasn't repeated. It was said once a year, and that was it. We didn't hear it coming from other avenues. And when you've listened to us in the past, we've talked about it. it's important to get started. And I went really low just to be funny about it. But at the same time, I didn't think it. I didn't <laughs> sure. think it would be what you. Sure. I didn't think it would be as high as you said it was. Though I'm actually. I, I, that's impressive. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, me too. Congratulations, millennials. You got your stuff together. But I, I would, I like Jamie's point. I would want to know how many have started it on their own outside of a four hundred one k match that they've had with their company. Because right. I think the number would be a bit lower. But you know, for businesses, we're pretty lucky that we know about four hundred one ks and we try and match it. But not everyone is putting it in as much as they should. Well, it's funny because when you came, when you were in college and when you came out of college, you've been hearing about that, right? Or you heard about it when you mm-hmm. came out of college. When I came out of college, you weren't hearing that. That was back on the well, old, that I mean, was back on the old three leg principle of the yeah. pension, Social, Social Security, Security, and then, and then your supplemental, and then your retirement. supplemental, right? Where now they're going, well, you're not. Most of us aren't going to have a pension, right? Right. That's and pretty much. If you gone. ask Dusty, we're not going to have what? Dusty? I don't think Social Security will be around when when the millennials retire. So next question, it's more about perception. How many people? consider themselves spenders instead of savers. Not necessarily, again, like the budgeting right. one, if they follow through, but... Like, like most people think they're really good savers, they wouldn't consider themselves spenders. Right. right. But how many people consider themselves spenders? Ooh. Ooh. Jamie, uh-uh, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> guys are hilarious. She's, like, covering her answers. It's because you always, after asking questions, Jamie always looks over. over. He always looks over at Dusty's answers. Because he knows I'm right. All right. How many consider themselves spenders? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Jamie, you first. 33% is what Jamie said. 50%. I went right in the middle, man. We're half and half. Wow. It was actually a pretty close call off by 3% in terms of between you two. But 40% of Americans consider themselves spenders. You want it. I got that mm-hmm. one. Yep. Okay. So this is an interesting point because... Whether you feel like you're a spender or your spouse or your family member or your friend thinks you're a spender, that's a different that's a different perspective. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think people like to spend money, but the idea of calling themselves spenders, yeah. it's sort of like, it's like a dirty it's, it's word. got a stigma. Right. Oh, I'm a spender. That's all I, I want to spend. <laughs> we always want to lie to ourselves and say, no, I, I don't mind spending money, but I'm a pretty good saver. Right? That's me. That's what I would say about myself. You're, 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 I you're, like both. You're like both. Okay. I'm kind of shameless. I am a bit of a spender. You're a spender. Okay. I, I, I will admit it, but not openly. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm a saver and we're in that household where one of us is, we're both saving better, but I'm the saver and she's more you're of a You're always the one to say, should we spend this? It's always right, the questioning. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the one in COVID that in you know, the last nine weeks hasn't got online and bought himself anything because it's, I mean, I'm sure there's things I could find I want to buy. But there's nothing I need. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, we've helped Amazon stay afloat. Because we're buying things from Amazon, but I haven't bought any of those. (laughs) So do you think that situations like the economics, you know, COVID and the economic situation we're in right now changes people's behaviors when it comes to whether they're a spender or a saver? Is it enough of a jolt to change behavior? One would hope so. The answer is... Maybe, and we'll see. It's the old economic answer, maybe. So right now we're tied two to two, and on the same subject of spending, what percentage of an average adult's income goes to entertainment? Okay, so what actually goes to it, not what they think, right? Yeah, what what actually goes to it. I probably, I don't know if I'm high or low on this. I really don't know. Okay, so Jamie, you go first. What did you think? 
I put it at right around 10%. Okay. And I said, oh, probably eight. Well, you're both super close. The actual answer is 5.3% of the average adult income goes to entertainment. I'm impressed. I was too high again. I, I, yeah. I think you're going to start teaching financial literacy. I shouldn't, but <laughs> I, you know, I would say that, you know, that's a pretty realistic 5%. That's a pretty realistic number. That's us being honest with ourselves that we actually do spend that much money on things. Okay. So I go with easy numbers, round mm-hmm. numbers. So it's 10,000 mm-hmm. or it's 50,000 or it's a hundred thousand. So, but I think the point to all this is, is, is knowing what you spend and using some kind of tracking, whether it's right. through your bank right. or mint or something else to kind of know what you're spending on those kind of things. I think the other thing is, you know, make sure you're classifying what entertainment is. Because when we're talking about entertainment, entertainment, I put in dining out, too. I don't just put, like, going to sporting events or mm-hmm. going to a movie or watching a concert. I put in dining out. I, do, I even put in shopping. I mean, so for us, that's all considered entertainment. Right. So mm-hmm. That's all discretionary income. Discretionary income, right. right. Yeah, I, I put those all, lump those all into one, usually. Got it. So right now we're at halftime. Dusty's got, <laughs> Dusty's got three points. Jamie has two points. You need a breather. <laughs> so wrong with me? I mean, you're you're behind. Oh yes, yes, yes. I, I got I got a, I got a, I'm sweating over here. Go get a drink of water. So so far um, with this game, has anything super surprised you guys? About these statistics, I'm really surprised about the millennials and the retirement fund. That's which, what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's really great. It's yeah, that's you know, I love good news, and that's good news. Yeah, you know, that's some good news as somebody's been talking about the last couple of weeks on YouTube. So uh, that that's that's good news. I like it, and it's funny because my daughter is turning 21, and she's talking about when she turns 21, whatever company she's working at, actually investing in their 401k. You know what? Maybe that tells us as parents, we've done a better job of edu- financially educating our kids about right. what to do yeah. next. Well, you know so. how it is. You don't know you're a good parent until, Pat what, on the back. until you're much older, right? <laughs> <laughs> you never know you're a good parent until they're like, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s. And by that time, they're like, yeah. Right. So I think we're, are both of you ready for round two? I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you thinking I'm not ready? Are you ready? Bring it. I don't know. All well, right. you better be ready because the questions are going to be a little bit harder. And like I said before, they're going to be worth two points each instead of one. So um, question number one, round two. In Indiana, what is the average credit card debt for an adult? And this is a number. It's not a percentage, obviously. Hmm. You're, you're going to get this way closer than me, I'm sure. Because you teach on this all the time. No. Oh, let me see what you're putting. No! Jamie, you can't look at her answer and then gauge yours off of it. Why can't I? Do I have to separate you two? I wonder, I I will be curious to see if Indiana's average is higher or lower than the national average. Well, I know the national average. That's why. That's what I was thinking. That's for me, it's like going, and you know the national average because who told you? You. (laughs) Did you go higher or lower? I'm not telling. You went up. You went lower. You almost done, Jamie? Yes, I, I I am. He's still thinking. Okay. Well, Dusty, I want to hear I want to hear you first. What okay. Do you think the average credit card debt is. I think the average credit card debt is nine thousand dollars. In Indiana. Is that high? That's high, right? Is that pretty high? Why, that's pretty are you high. whistling? Is okay. it higher? I'm not. Let me see what you said first. Financial. I, I did it either or. <laughs> what? <laughs> Depending if I get it right. <laughs> Indiana, that's probably too high. No, come you on. Can't. I can. No, you can't. I can't read it. $10,500. 10, Both of you are a little bit too high, but oh. it is still a high number. Um, the average credit card debt for an adult in Indiana is 6900 So it's okay. right at 7000 yeah, And right the right national 7, average, Jamie, is what? 15500 
So good job, Indiana. Indiana's not so yeah, good. Yeah, you know why I think I might have misconstrued this? Are you ready for this? The yeah. national average is not for an adult. I should have listened to that point of it. And an adult, mm-hmm. it's fifteen thousand oh. dollars for a household. Oh, okay. So when I looked at this, I thought of a household. So this is for an adult. So I wonder if we look that number up for the Indiana household. It's probably going to be closer to what you have. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. So, but good job. You're just you're just just drilling. So, you got two more points. I mean, what would we say about credit card debt though? Set up your budget. Pay it down. Pay it down every month. If you find out that you're what's that snowball method you always snowball talk about? method. Yeah, well, that's that's a Dave Ramsey method. You're actually line up all your credit card debt and you pay. You, you figure out your budget, how much you're going to spend, and you start paying the lowest one off as first as quick as possible. And then you start going down to the next one, and the next one. So it's rolling up your debt and it's it's going away. Uh, my and which is great if you have debt that's controllable, but if you do have that credit card debt of fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, which the average. The national average is fifteen five. And you've got that on five or six credit cards. Your your interest rates are going to be all over the place. Right. So, so that's when I see that person, I say you might want to consider consolidating because if you do consolidate, you're going to get a much lower interest. So rate. educate yourself about your interest rate and look for the best rate possible. Correct. Get rid of that. Stop putting stuff on your credit card. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. All right. So are you guys ready for the next question? Yes. Um, so the question is, what percentage of Indiana consumers have debt in collections? And this includes like if you haven't paid maybe a bill from Macy's that you forgot about or maybe an unpaid um, doctor's office visit. These can go into collections after a little while. So, so medical bills. Out of a thousand people, right? How many? Yeah. Right? All right. Or out of a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Out of a hundred people. Okay. Dusty, your turn. All right. I... I have no idea on this question, Courtney, really. Um, I'm going to guess 8%. She hit it? <laughs> it's a little higher than that? Mm-hmm. I put 15. It's actually double that. <gasps> it's really? Around, it's 16. Yeah, it's 34%. Oh. Wow. wow. Yeah. So maybe this means people have had it in the past, but yeah. it's a high number and it's kind of understandable. Well, I, like I said, I think about that. If I meet 10 people, you know, three of them, three, three to four of them have 3.4 have collection items because of medical medical debt. Medical, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to forget. You you pay, and then months later, you maybe forget the mail. It right. happens. Well, it's not on your priority. No, no. It's well, I mean, priority. that's not something we budget for, right? Because uh, we, we, it's an right. unexpected we should, expense. But we don't. That's what your emergency savings is for, obviously, right? Or one of the few things. So you know, at the credit union, we have a product that helps, especially if, as we talk about medical debt or medical expenses, health savings accounts, right, Jamie? We don't right. really talk about that much on the podcast. You want to... Yeah, so health savings accounts are set aside now where if, you're, if your employer has a high deductible uh, or high... Is it a high deductible plan? Uh-huh. HDP. And a lot of employers have set up health savings accounts where they'll put some money in that account for you and you can then add to that account. And that becomes your money set aside for your medical bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the great news is I've now realized that when we do need money for medical expenses, it's actually already been put away. It's part of our budget. Co-pays, now. Co-pays deductibles. deductibles, everything. I mean, my wife had surgery last year. The bills came in. Was worried about the bills, but the good news was we had money in that HSA. We could start paying on that right away. If if, uh, if one of the children need new glasses or if they right. the girls need contacts, we have actually money in that HSA. So I'm not going where we're going to find this extra $150 to pay for mm-hmm. contacts. It's yeah. already there. And... And, you know, educate yourself on the difference between health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts because there are differences. 
All savings accounts roll over from one year to the next where flexible spending accounts don't. So look at what your employer has to offer. Look at what they also contribute to just like your retirement savings and find the best vehicle to help you save for so you're not finding yourself in collections. Correct. But you got the point. Two points. Yay! Two <laughs> points. To recap, Dusty's currently in the lead with five points, but Jamie's pretty close behind with four. So it could be Ooh. anyone's game. We've got three questions left in this round, and then we have our final bet all points question. Got it. So uh, question three and round two. What percentage of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement? Wow, I don't know. This is a hard one. All these are hard. And I'm wondering if this is out of Americans who have saved for retirement, because we, we know that that number can be pretty. Right. Yeah. So if they have saved for retirement, how many have less than 10,000? And that's taking into account every age range, right? I'd say so. Pretty much from Other work kids. Okay, so 20-something to ooh, retirement. Okay, I want to hear those answers. Jamie, what do you think? I'll go first. I know this feels high and sounds high, but I, you know every, everything I see and do, I was thinking right at 45, but I went with 43%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I really had no idea, but I was thinking the number is pretty high, and I went 40. Well, both of you are extremely close, but the points go to Jamie. Uh, the percentage of Americans with less than 10K saved for retirement is 42%. So, wow. Yeah, both of you are so close. Four out of 10. Four out of 10 Americans. And that 10, takes... In retirement. This isn't just, like, all the... This is just retirement. This is not... But that takes into account whether you're 60 getting ready to retire in five years or you're 20. So, you know, if you're one of those older Americans who are in that boat, what's the best advice you would give? Okay, depending on the age, if you're already in the 60s and you're getting closer to retirement, obviously the answer might be you need to work longer, meaning more years. Right, either full-time or part-time. Yeah, either full-time or part-time. Start putting back as much as you can. What I recommend those in their 60s and their mid-60s, especially that haven't retired yet, is pay down as much debt as you can. Mm-hmm. If I find myself in those those early to mid-50s, the answer is max out your 401k if you can do that. Start maxing out as much as you can right now. And when you get to the point where you're ready to retire and you don't have a lot in retirement, the answer might be you retire, but you, start, you have to work a part-time job for a while just to, to maintain. So this one's pretty topical. Um, we've got two more questions in this round. What percentage of Americans feel financial stress from COVID-19? Hmm. <laughs> All of us? <laughs> I know. I, I kind of like that. All right, Dusty, you go first. I, I think everybody is feeling stress, whether you would classify it as COVID or, or financial stress related to COVID or not. But I say 82%. I went really high. Uh, 70% is what I put. Well, actually, uh, the two points for this question will go to Dusty. Because the percentage of Americans that feel financial stress from COVID-19 is 88%. Wow. 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 So they, they, we everybody, were both low. Everybody's admitting it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I uh, should have waited for you to say 82 and been like, price is right. It's 83. <laughs> $1. <laughs> but like we've said in the past, if you are feeling financial stress and you know, you're a member of our credit union, you can always visit wecare.fcfcu.com and there's still options available to you um, even yep. now. I know we're in May, but you know, we're still here to help. And that, that's probably the biggest thing is if if you are affected by it, call your creditors, talk to them about what's going on. You're going to be in much better financial shape if you've had the conversations than if you're just not telling them anything. Right, that's Jamie? Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Have that conversation. So our final question in round two, we still have one more question after this where you bet all your points. So this isn't the last one. The score is 
Jamie six, Dusty seven. Ha ha. This question I think is personally funny because in our office and maybe in yours too, we're always pitting um, our our generations, age, yeah, our generations together. <laughs> I get a lot of flack for being a, mil- a millennial, and you know, there's we've got we've got a boomer in our group. <laughs> yep, we've got we've got all across. It's the board. all across the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one's kind of funny. Which generation has the highest amount of credit card debt? Is it baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, and I just threw this in for fun, Gen Z? <laughs> well, it's not Gen Z. This is hard because I, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's all. Ah, I don't know if I'm credit card I, debt. Yeah, I'm gonna. Okay, I changed my answer. So I guess this one's not about who's closer. You both have the opportunity to earn points Ooh. here. Um, so I'll even go first. So I put Gen X. Okay. Uh, just because that's our age group, you know, you're still earning. You're, you're not. You haven't hit your maximum earning power. You're still racking up credit card debt. You're not towards retirement yet. You know, you want to think that the boomer generation is at retirement, so they're paid off and they've retired. And there's a part of me that wants to hope that it's not Gen Y because of their age group. I don't want them to be there. I don't want them to. Yeah, but they're 20 to 30 something. Yeah, but when I was 20 to 30 something, I didn't use my credit cards. Oh, I did. Well, they're also the ones that are investing. I know that's why I didn't put them. I I put them. So I put Gen X number one. What'd you put number one? I put Gen X, uh, our generation. I think we're not as educated as the millennials are about uh, credit. And yeah, I think we're a little more spoiled in that way. Hmm. Okay. So I, we agree, Gen X. So you both get points Yay! because the correct high answer is Gen X. <laughs> well, also, not high fives because I know both of you are Gen X. Yeah, no oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I think so. We'll both take one point for that. How's that sound? No, it's two points. Two points. Oh, too bad. Well, you're okay. still up by one. It doesn't matter. So this is my favorite round because it's. Oh, wait. Like, so what's the score? The score. Okay. The score is Jamie has eight, Dusty has nine. You better bet big. Yep. And this final is for round's the, important. All the marbles. This is for all the marbles. This is for real money. You, you and heard bragging it here. rights. Bragging, bragging rights, rights, which is more important than money in this group. <laughs> and if you know, well, you don't know Jamie and I, but if you did, you would know we both like to win. So this is this is tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh huh. And this question, um, so at Financial Center, you know, we are national experts when it comes to financial <laughs> literacy, especially because we have Jamie Davidson oh, here Lord. who teaches exactly. our classes. Don't put the pressure on me now. No, yeah. So this one is super important. So the question, what percentage of millennials demonstrate basic financial literacy? We can bet. I, 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 am I writing my answer first? Hang on. It's, All right. So you're up by how many points? You're up by one listen, point? this is for 10 bucks. So. All right. Yep. Ten, I thought you guys said 100 earlier, too. All right. So That's true. All right. 10 bucks to charity, 100 to each other. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, to charity. Okay. Yeah, that's true. All right, Dusty, you're up. Here, I'll trade. Yeah, I'll oh, read yours. Okay. You read mine. All right. Ooh, wow. Can you went that deep. I'll go first. Dusty said 47%. She close? I And Jamie said 20%. So in a study of more than 1,000 millennials, only 24% could demonstrate basic financial literacy. And just 8% displayed high levels of financial literacy. She Here bets, I gave you millennials she bets credit. She six points. She lost six. You know why? I, you know what? Oh, you gave him credit, did you? No, it was the retirement question. The retirement so I'm like, gotcha. okay. Yeah. All right. So, guess who won? I won. I well, bet three points. points. Did you bet? I bet three. Three points. So she lost six. I gained three. Dang it! Wow. Oh my god. She, 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 she well, went, he should. She he even went. She even went big on her points. She, I went yeah. big on the. Go big or go home. I went on zero. 
But still, 24% that's, demonstrating financial literacy. It's not about... No. Well, I mean, so that kind of that's comes back two and to half out of ten. a scary question. I mean, that's right. a scary I bet result. if we looked that up about Generation X, it's going to say probably, probably 33%. About the same. Right? Let's find out. So this is what it tells you. What What about, what do you need to do then? If you're in that, if you're in that 80% who say, I don't think I really know what I'm doing. If you're that 80%, close to that 80%, the answer is, look, go out there and find some financial literacy. It's all over the place. We provided online. We provided webinars. We provided in-person after COVID, obviously. We do one-on-one counseling. One-on-one counseling. Not only us, though, it's out there everywhere. You actually just have to go and find it. And we're here for you. Reach out to me. Reach out to the credit union. Reach out. If you bank with somebody else, reach out to them. See what they have. Great job, Courtney. So much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this I hope you enjoyed Courtney because I think we need her back more often. She brings a little (laughs) light to the show. So, you know, although we have a lot of fun playing trivia, a lot of these statistics can be daunting and eye-opening. And if that's the case for you, we're here to help. If you'd like to schedule a free one-on-one financial counseling appointment, you need to email Jamie, and his email is jdavidson at fcfcu.com. Carpe Dime is presented by Financial Center First Credit Union. It's produced by Jamie Davidson, Dusty Simmons, and Courtney Cooper. Financial Center is a six-time national award winner in the category of adult financial literacy, and our goal is to help you improve your financial life. To learn more, visit fcfcu.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe from Google, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.